Hello and welcome to Otaku the Town, our Naruto recap podcast. As always, I'm Elliot. I'm Kayla. I'm Paul. And listeners, we are going to begin this episode with an apology because last time we told you we were going to watch episodes 10 through 15 of the series Naruto and that was a bold-faced lie. Uh, Each of us independently got through episodes 10, 11, and 12 and had so many notes that we decided enough is enough. Uh, Because it turns out this is actually a good and interesting show sometimes. And maybe that's why we're doing a podcast about it. Uh, But before we get into that, we're going to open up, as always, with a question. Uh, So this episode was pretty interesting in uh, that there were a lot of neat tattoos. So I thought we could go around and talk about either a cool tattoo we have or a tattoo we would really like to get. Um, So let's start with you, Kayla. All right. um, So I have a couple of tattoos, but I will talk about the first one I ever got. Uh, because it is easily the most recognizable one that I have. I've actually had people at grocery stores and in Starbucks approach me and talk to me about my tattoo and usually hug me, um, which, you know, I have mixed feelings about, but it's usually a very positive thing. It is the crown from the Kingdom Hearts game series that is both a signia that Sora wears around his neck and is also a symbol that is used to open up gateways between worlds in the second movie. has a lot of symbolism behind it. Very meaningful to me, but also just an excellent nerd tattoo. Do you have any other nerd tattoos? I do. Actually, I have a small <laughs> crescent moon on the inside of my left middle finger. What and could it that is possibly represent, Kayla? Definitely Sailor Moon. So awesome. there you go. Fantastic. Uh, how about uh, you, Paul? I have but one tattoo. Uh, I have a tattoo. It's on, on your one butt. It's on my one butt. A one butt tattoo. Is it yeah. a tattoo of a butt on your butt? Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, just one butt, though, it's like on your a, butt. It's like a Petroshka butt. <laughs> <laughs> Does that butt have a butt tattoo on it? Oh, you better believe it. So it's butts all the way down. Just 100% butts. Yeah. Excellent. So the, the Hall of Butt Mirrors. That's actually the new subtitle for this podcast. Otaku the Town, 100% butts. Uh-huh. It's like that scene in The Last Jedi where Ray like, sees a bunch of herself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. It's just all butts. It's just all butts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah anyway, so my non-butt tattoo is I have a... I'm sorry for spoiling The Last Jedi for you listeners. I understand that we might have just ruined the crux of that story for you. But um, if you haven't seen it yet or at least read a thousand think pieces about it... I don't know where you have been living. Yeah, given that this is a nerd podcast, I guess that's kind of hard to believe. In a butt-free zone. Yeah, which I'm so sorry for you. Uh, anyway, my tattoo is uh, is on my upper arm. It's not on my butt. Uh, it is a, a, the Constellation Orion done in kind of calligraphic style. Uh, my grandma... That means made out of butts. Yeah, that does. That is, yeah, that's uh, Latin for made out of butts. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma does is a professional artist and did, did and does still a lot of calligraphy, and I have been really interested in astronomy and sort of you know, physics, science stuff that I'm not smart enough to do professionally, but I enjoy reading about for since I was a little kid. And so I thought that was like a neat, recognizable constellation. So I have, yeah, I have the constellation Orion on my upper arm. It's just not very, it's a different kind of nerdy. So, yeah. Anyway, Elliot, what about you? That's awesome. Um, I, I was, well, uh, I'll talk about one of my tattoos that I have and then a tattoo idea. So um, just to, to join you in Nerd Tattoo Solidarity, Kayla, um, I have a tattoo on my calf that says Allons-y in stylized font. Um, and if you know what that means, um, you know why it is such a nerdy tattoo. And if you don't know what that means, it just means let's go. Because, you know, I like to go out and really get it and seize the day. You know, you're, you're a real Francophile, too. I, absolutely. French. I just love French. We, yeah. oui, Paul, I do. Wee, oui, wee, oui, mon ami. Wee, oui, wee, oui, mon ami. Uh, give me a croissant. Mm-hmm. Um, that was questionable. I'm very sorry. 
I'm very sorry right now. I'm uh, apologizing. I think every there. nerd tattoo should have plausible deniability. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but the tattoo I want is much more interesting than any of this. Um, so this started out like most of my best ideas, including this very podcast, as a joke that I told so many times um, it became a real desire and one day will come true. So all across my back, I want a tattoo of a polar bear and a narwhal on an ice floe fighting while a giant kraken comes up from beneath them to engulf them in its tentacles. And I want to have kraken tentacles like serpentining down my limbs, up to my neck, etc. It's going to be really cool and I will only get it when I marry a tattoo artist because I will never be able to pay for all of those sessions. I was just going to say shortly after we post this episode we will start a GoFundMe for Elliot's amazing tattoo project. Please Donate. Yes, thank you. Please rate, review, subscribe, and donate to my tat Patreon. Um, <laughs> speaking of patronizing, let's get into the episodes. So this uh, series of three starts off with episode 10, The Forest of Chakra, uh, in which the boys learn how to climb trees. Sakura learns that she can already climb trees. We meet uh, a, a very dark young boy. And we learned that Zabuza is still alive. I don't know. That was that was a rough that was a rough recap. Did a I miss any bit. essential points? No, that's pretty much it. That is basically it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of nuance to the episode, a lot of really enjoyable, juicy tidbits that we'll get into. Totally. But for a recap, I think that was good. I think this episode was hard to synopsize because it was actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like you know, it wasn't one note. It wasn't stupid. Like there was there was some cool stuff in there. There was subtlety in it, which doesn't really lend itself to just recapping quickly. Totally. But anyway, yes, the episode was uh, was pretty great. Um, so we open back up uh, with uh, Kakashi. So as as we closed the last episode, Kakashi just passed out, and that was kind of our dramatic cliffhanger. So it was kind of it was kind of cool that like the last episode, like Kakashi, like we went down with Kakashi, and then we woke up with Kakashi. And we didn't spend twenty minutes recapping last episode. We just moved on. It was great. It was almost like they acknowledged that maybe we've watched the serialized program up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very good. Um, so Kakashi wakes up in uh, in Tazuna's house. Um, and he is assigned to bed rest because he's overused his Sharingan and needs to take it easy. I actually really appreciated that because it showed that there's a limit to this power and that you can exhaust yourself. Considering that they haven't gone that sensibly into chakra yet, it's very good to know that these techniques aren't limitless. Totally. It was it was really interesting to introduce that um, in, a, in like a, a meaningful way that, you know, that there are limits and you can push past them, but there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely a theme I suspect might come back up in this show. Um, and so it was cool to be introduced to that. Um, we get to learn a little bit more about Anbu, um, which, uh, so if you recall from the last episode, um, at the end of the fight, Zabuza was apparently killed, uh, by a member of Anbu, a, a kind of like rogue ninja hunter. Um, but one thing I thought was pretty cool is that we learned that Anbu, and I guess they talked about this last episode, but it's really like uh, hammered home. Anbu are not like police. They're not there to like meet out justice. Mm-hmm. They are there to prevent leaks. Yeah. Like they are there to they, they want to kill you so that you can't betray any village secrets. Like And completely destroy your body by means of extensive crow training. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, can we talk about the Anbu training? When they, like, flashed uh, the classroom. The classroom. The, the lecture hall. Yes. 
love that. They all just wear their masks to their fucking physiology lecture. Oh, that was so great. There's like one bored Anvu like on Twitter on his laptop in the corner, just like craning through his mask to try to like you know look at his Facebook post that he's writing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no. There's there just there's a guy with this like pointing at the blackboard and everybody's yeah, just like taking notes. And it's, like, what Anvu's final is like, you know, looked like geology 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are Anvu just like ninjas who've gone to college? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like yeah, they're just yes. educated. Everyone else is just you know a high school grad, but Anbu or nothing. They went to I mean, college. Not, yeah. Naruto and Sasuke and Sakura have been, had zero formal education. Mm-hmm. They're elementary school students, basically mm. junior high, maybe at best. Maybe that's why like Anbu are like because we meet some Anbu later, and I I don't know, I don't want to talk about things that happen later too much. I want to avoid that. But um, there's a lot of Anbu in the show who are like interesting and developed characters, and maybe it's because they've like taken humanities classes. Yeah, yeah, they they were really they did the, some women's studies in college, <laughs> and they're better for it. Exactly, they really went through the whole liberal arts education. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they covered like gender studies, some psychology, uh, sociology. They've got you know the ninja Phi Beta Kappa. It was just, it was really in a holistic education is really important to them. Absolutely, yeah, they really you know. Anbu build up other Anbu. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the Anbu ranks are so tough to permeate, you know, because you have to, like, make it through all of these barriers. You Absolutely. Know? Now, Anbu were so clicky. You gotta do well in your lectures, you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, their exams have, like, a multiple choice section. <laughs> you got, got the multiple choice section, the short answer section, and the essay section. Mm, totally. Yeah, I, I flunked out of Anbu school because I was playing too much World of Warcraft. <laughs> Uh, there was kind of an interesting line in here. Uh, ninjutsu secrets and chakra characteristics permeate the ninja of the village. And I thought that was kind of an interesting concept that, like, like chakra characteristics are in your body. I don't know. It it, it brought in kind of, like, a science-y note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we talked in a previous episode about, like, are there ninja biologists? And it kind of sounds like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, there are. The implication is that they could, like, get your body and dissect it and learn your secrets. Yeah, it's very, very siler from heroes. Uh, it's just kind of they can just learn all your unique shit by dissecting your body. That was a great throwback. Oh, thank you. I appreciated that. Uh, Kakashi even said that uh, if somebody uh, if somebody killed him because of his Sharingan, they could learn all of his jutsu. Which made me wonder: Is the Sharingan like a ninjutsu flash drive? Like, does it just does like it contain a bunch of techniques? It just stores techniques. I, I, kinda, that's yeah. that's how it works. He just like he records them and he can just play it back. We laugh about it now, but little do you know, the Sharingan is just a solid state flash drive that you plug into your face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they gotta have the Anbu to prevent leakage. You know, it's to prevent like the Ninja Pentagon Papers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How do you think Anbu have dealt with meltdown? Really poorly. Yeah. That's the oh man, this is not going to be timely because we're going to release this in like a month. Right now, Meltdown is a big deal if you're into cybersecurity. If you've heard some stuff about how processors are bad now, um, they are. And that's a bummer. Um, and Sorry, Intel. We liked you for a while. Yeah. Now it's no good. <laughs> we heard speaking to you from the past. One of my favorite things about Meltdown is all of my people who are really into Apple stuff being like, this is why Apple is so great, because they're not susceptible to this. And then Apple was like, every single one of our devices is susceptible to this. So, oops. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is your uh, Naruto and cybersecurity podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you. With a side note of Schadenfreude. We're yeah. going to talk about cryptocurrency next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard you should not invest in that right now. I'm, I'm buying some Ripple. <laughs> <laughs> I only have Nyan Cat currency. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is probably a thing. I'm sure there's a Nyan coin or a Meow coin or a mm-hmm. cat coin. Cat coin. Oh, see, I said that as a joke, but I actually really like that. Cat I mean, coin. I mean, there's no rules, buddy. You could just make cat coin. <laughs> I, I could make cat coin. Coin. Yeah. I'm mining for cat coin right now. Mm-hmm. I just, I just pet my cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> note it down. I have a clicker. 
Um, okay, so at this point, I'm going to make a bold move here. Um, and I'm going to welcome you all to the Gay of the Ninja, where we will be for the remainder of this episode. Oh yeah, we're going deep into the Gay of the Ninja here. Uh, we're not coming back. We are not coming back from this gay hole. We, this episode was so gay, only to be surpassed in gay by the episode after, and probably surpassed yet again by the episode after that. Probably. Um, this yeah. might be the gay peak of the show. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be, but it might be, honestly speaking. It's hard to get much gayer than this. Uh, so we learn uh, that Zabuza isn't dead. Um, the ninja uh, who apparently killed him was only pretending to be an Anbu. Um, and the technique was actually intended to mimic death. Um, and, which is uh, very convenient because it leaves Zabuza bedridden for approximately the exact interval of time that Kakashi is bedridden. Mm-hmm. Um, giving us time to further both plots. It's real. It's a real mirroring, you know. It's that's just a literary device. Well, it's heartening to know that not long after Kakashi wakes up, he's like, "Something is definitely wrong. I definitely messed up. That was not a good killing technique. I shouldn't have passed out." Because he otherwise, out so quickly. It's yes, if it had actually taken that much time, I would have had a lot of doubts in Kakashi's capabilities as a Jonin. No, I love that. And and he was like very sensible. He was like, "That was a bad weapon." And like, also, wait, I fucked up. He could have just, you know, they, that Anbu could have just destroyed the body right there. Like, why, would, why didn't he just cut off his head right mm-hmm. in front of me and my sweet kids? <laughs> Can you imagine? What if Aku had come in armed only with fucking like knitting needles and just slowly like <laughs> ch- like like chopped off this man's head in front of these like three children? Like salmon with chopsticks. Yeah, honestly, it probably would have been a good experience for them. Yeah, they need, they need to get toughened up a little bit. They need to be exposed to the harsh ways of the world. Yeah, um, there is a really great line uh, where Haku says to Zabuza uh, in regards to why he did the technique to fake Zabuza's death in the way he did. Besides, I didn't want to mark up your immaculate body. <laughs> he says this not long after. I think Zabuza says something like, you're, you're nasty, you're horrific, and Haku just blushes. He's like, oh, sweetie, I know. But he also says, uh, Zabuza to Haku, you're so innocent, smart, and untainted. That's what I like about you. Oh, Lord. Um... So this, I don't know. I when I don't know when to jump into this, but there's a lot to unpack between Haku and Zabuza, mm-hmm. um, and we've only begun to see some of it. Totally, it goes so much deeper in later episodes. Yeah, but considering that this is only the tip of the iceberg, yeah, you try to tell me that this isn't the gay of the ninja. Uh, totally, no. I mean, it it is unbelievably gay. Um, a couple quick things about Haku. Um, Haku often um pr- uh presents as more femme, but Haku does use he pronouns. Um, so we're going to use exclusively he pronouns for Haku. Um, there's some, I don't know, um, A, the show is pretty dated, uh, B, uh, gender presentation is, is different, uh, outside of Western culture, and I'm not really, I don't think any of us here is really qualified to unpack that in, in a way that I think is helpful or productive, um, but we're gonna be using he pronouns for Haku, um, and, uh, we are going to be treating him as a person with agency um about uh his gender and how he presents um i think there is a really interesting concept about agency in terms of other things uh haku refers to himself as a child um which, i thought that was very interesting yeah totally um and i mean we learn in the next episode that um zabuza found haku as a very young child and zabuza has kind of raised haku or you know it's implied that zabuza has raised haku um they seem to be very much in love with each other they use language that's like i I mean i you know i didn't want to mark up your immaculate body um that's not subtext that's just text um haku comes from a could not come from a more impoverished background Mm -hmm. he was a starving street child Mm -hmm. uh and so he you know there's this kind of power imbalance because zabuza was a pretty 
you know, as as we learned earlier, he was a pretty famous, powerful ninja in this village. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's kind of some of that going on, and yeah, lots to unpack. Totally. Um, but that being said, it's so sweet and wonderful <laughs> to see Haku caring for Sabuza. Uh, yeah, uh, healing him, and uh, I'm the- hoping for. Some more of that, and then also to see that flipped a little bit later on as we go more into their past. Uh, indeed. Lots to look forward to. There's so much to look forward to. I took a note at one point that was just, all of these children are awful. And really, it was the appearance of Inari that made me write it down. I had a moment where it's this little hapless boy in a bucket hat. I thought, like, there's a glimmer of hope. And then he just shoots this glare across the room at Team 7. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Absolutely not Konohamara Part 2. I'm not here for it. I went on such a fucking ride with Inari. Like, my first note about him is, and then we meet another awful little boy. Yes. Uh, no, terrible boy named after a rice treat. But then... <laughs> This fucking kid comes in, tells all of these ninjas, you're going to die. There's no such thing as heroes. I'm going to go look at the sea. Yeah. And then he pieces out. And like... Inari has an old soul. I, I mean, I kind of love him. Inari went through some shit. And <laughs> legitimately went through some shit. And so, yeah, no, I, I feel like... Inari he's... at least has a reason to be sad. Yeah. He does. This is true. <laughs> Unlike Konohamaru. Unlike Kono, Yeah, Konohamaru. Konohamaru is, is a, a, a miserable, terrible little boy. But I started calling Inari Dark Boy in my <laughs> notes. Because he is, you know, he's, he definitely is, is deserving of boy title. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like him as, like, the bleak boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the boy just, who no longer believes in hope. Yeah, yes. or, or heroes or anything. Anyone yeah. who believes in heroes is an idiot. Bravery is not a word that exists in this village. All totally. Yeah, my hat makes me look like I'm a rejected protagonist from another anime. Yes. But I, I don't couldn't... know why they did a bucket hat and why not just like a bucket over his head. I think he re- would have been happier for it. He kind of reminded me of Donald from uh, Fire Home Awakening. Oh, yeah. But like if Donald had had all his heroes murdered in front of him. <laughs> to me, he looked like like a, a rejected protagonist from like a series of Digimon, but like mm. he couldn't handle the pressure of it. So he was like, no, I'll go be a side character in this other series. Mm. Like, that's all I'm up to. They gave him a sad hat and he went off to be sad in a different series. He did have a sad hat. He did. It's a very sad hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do you have a sad hat? Um, do I have a sad hat? Not a sad one, I don't think. I have a dismayed hat. Mm. Um, What's a dismayed hat? It's the hat that's just... Uh, you know the the old school the pre emoji emoticon. That's just uh, it's a capital D and then a colon. Yes. So yeah, um, I have that oh, on my hat. It oh. is dismayed. Yeah, which yes. kind of sums me up. Sure. Um, do I have a sad hat? I have a hat with a fox on it that says Foxy. Okay. But that's that's not a sad hat at all. That's a Foxy hat. Cool. I don't think I have any sad hat. I should have a sad hat. Although now that I have glasses, I'm like struggling with my hat wearing. Uh, as, as my friend put it, there's like a lot going on in the top third of my head if I'm wearing like a trucker cap and glasses. But you have such a magnificent beard that I feel like it balances it out. <laughs> I disagree with this person. I just look like a Funko Pop. Like just this like giant detailed head and then whatever is, is my body. I, I think your face gravity is, is being pulled in two directions and that's fine. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Like a binary star. <laughs> <laughs> I've often thought of myself as a binary star system. With a habitable planet right in the middle. Oh, Is that... 
My nose? Yep. Okay. <laughs> your, your nose is the Tatooine of your face. You guys couldn't see this, but Elliot just felt over his face for his nose, as though he was afraid it might not be there. For I a couldn't minute. remember what was in the middle. Your some uncle stole your nose, and you had like three, and you still haven't gotten it back. I still haven't gotten it back. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Elliot. Yeah, but I put him in a grave. <laughs> uh, so we see Hanari crying over a photo of his super hot dad, and one thing that I continue to love about this show is the ugliest, nastiest tears. Mm-hmm. This boy had tears coming out of his nose. That's he, not Elliot. I know, but they were like like blending in seamlessly with his other tear stream. Like He was like a shower head that you turned on. I mean, if you're really crying, it comes out of everywhere. Yeah, this show is not afraid of ugly crying. But no, I feel like, I mean, had, well. And that in turn, I think, makes it beautiful. Yeah. No, that was a great sentiment, Kayla. Oh. <laughs> I feel like this boy had tears coming out of every orifice. Like, that's how leaky he was. Mm-hmm. Um... I was grosser than I wanted it to be. <laughs> I'm not sorry, though. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we cut to uh, the kids in Kakashi in the forest, where we learn that Naruto still doesn't know what chakra is called. Yep, <laughs> he still calls it Chatora. Uh-huh. Uh, We've had a, a few explanations at this point, but mm-hmm. this is arguably the best one so far. Sakura kicks it off because she's a bad Hermione. Yeah, uh, well, because she, yeah, she pays attention and does homework. Mm-hmm. But then... It turns out that she's the best. She has the most control. She just goes right up the tree and Sasuke and Naruto both struggle. Sakura kind of has her first moment on the show, which mm-hmm. is long overdue, but yes. welcome. It was, it was kind of cool. You know, I kind of had a thought while I was watching these episodes. I kind of regretted calling her a bad Hermione. I think she is Hermione, but she's in a series... She's like Hermione in like the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Like, Hermione wouldn't do great in the Hunger Games. No, that's, that's, not her, not. that's not her MO. Like, no. Sakura listens and learns and pays attention and... If we divorce it from the troubling narratives that this show gives to every female character and kind of look at her based off of the choices that it feels like she actually makes instead of the weird choices maybe forced onto her um, by shitty dude writers, she's really fucking capable. She has a lot of merit and a lot of value, and she actually has some of the best development and best growth over the course of the series. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, But yes, it's it's really cool that Sakura starts in this very bad... uh, Pigeonholed, maybe haunted by the ghosts of her dead parents' place, uh, <laughs> and gets to gets to grow and become a, a very different character. Sakura's the only ninja who can do her fucking job. Yeah. Speaking of ninjas doing their job, Kakashi actually kind of does his job like his, you know, as a, a ninja trainer here. Like this, unlike the their first lesson where he's trying to demonstrate you know teamwork and told them eventually that they just needed to work together. Here he just sort of has it very simply. He's like, okay, I'm going to teach you to control your chakra. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk up this tree. This is a simple thing that's hard to do, and that's a, that's a good way to train in real life. Is is you know simple things that are hard to do. It's that's you know, and then they start doing it, and he's just like, all right, here, this is how you're going to be a better ninja. And I was like, oh, where you go, Kakashi? I really enjoyed him climbing the tree with his crutches. When he was hanging upside down like a bat with his crutches, that was just my favorite moment. Yeah, that was very good. I feel like that nails the Kakashi aesthetic. Yes, it does. It's like, all right, there's this thing that's incredibly hard to do, and I'm just going to kind of do it seamlessly with crutches. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, like, walk myself up this tree. Like, think about it. He's, like, putting his chakra into his crutches, not even a part of his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just fucking kills it. Kakashi has a great episode from the beginning where he wakes up and just kind of deduces what happened and not in like a bullshit way, like a like a logical, you know, mm-hmm. actually like a good writing way to where he's just like a good teacher here. Like Kakashi is just killing it this episode. He's yeah. not too flashy of a character. He definitely has moments where he seems so 
strong and so powerful and I always worry that he's going to be a, like a little too OP mm-hmm. and then he sort of comes back and balances very well and is not too show-offy and that's something I've always appreciated about his character. Totally. Um, I don't know if we made this clear but um, the reason they're climbing trees is because it's really good chakra control. It's like it's really hard to do so you have to put your chakra into your feet in just the right way and if you do too much chakra you'll like break the tree and fall and if you don't do enough chakra you'll just fall and so by climbing trees we mean they're like walking up trees mm-hmm. uh, like they have reversed or you know rotated gravity like they're a bunch of little Spider-Man yeah yes. exactly but they only use their feet which is even crazier because mm-hmm. like Spider-Man uses you know his hands and stuff sure. and they're just they're just walking totally. uh, well really they're running yes um, Sakura masters this instantly mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome she I know has we, the most control yeah. mm-hmm um, and then there's some like there's a lot of unfortunate stuff that follows this. One step forward, two steps back. Or uh, seventeen. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so Naruto encourages and congratulates her because he likes her, but then is also upset that a girl did better than him at this activity. And then Sakura's upset that the boy she likes doesn't congratulate her. And then Kakashi taunts Naruto and Sasuke because Sakura beat them at this. And then Sakura gets upset because she thinks Sasuke won't like her because Kakashi is teasing him about something she did better than him. Yeah, that wasn't great. She sort of ends on a note where it seems like she cares a lot more about being liked mm-hmm. than about being good at something and honing her own skills. And I worry that that is very prevalent in Western culture and actually maybe global culture. And mm-hmm. it's very, very sad. Yep. Um, well, I, I mean, ninjing is clearly a client-based activity. She needs to learn to network. You know, it's, it's, it's important. She got has to get clients to have her, you know, to hire her to do tasks. Well, and maybe one nice way to read this is like her parents are dead and she's inhabited by their ghosts. So maybe she's just starving for any kind of affection, and she's decided that Sasuke, as the most likely other ninja to be haunted, mm-hmm. is the one person who will understand her. I yep. just had an epiphany where I think actually every single character that's a member of Team Seven is starved for attention. Mm-hmm. Every single one needs attention in a different way from a different person that they just have not gotten. That is, that is true. Sad. Yeah. Because all of their parents are dead. Mm-hmm. All of their parents are dead. Do you think Sakura's parents were ninja loggers? <laughs> yes, they died in a horrible tree felling oh, accident. <laughs> they were actually logging trees at the time of a ninja fight, oh, and shit. a ninja accidentally replaced into them. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It was Kakashi. Oh, it was full old. circle. Damn. Yikes. Yeah. That's why she... Screams at him so much in her ghost form, mm-hmm. uh, which comes back in this episode, which I really enjoyed. Ghost mm-hmm. form, yeah, yeah. So, we need more of the ghost form. Yeah, I want Sakura to just carry out um, and burn this whole high school down. <laughs> uh, we do see a little more of Dark Boy here, um, who continues to insist that uh, the ninjas will just die, that they shouldn't bother training, um, and then he goes off to be sad again about his hot dad, mm-hmm. um, which is most of his character is insisting that they're gonna die and then crying over his hot dad. But, like, I can be on board with that because, like, he's fucked up and yeah. pretty traumatized and sure. his dad's really hot. I would be sad, too. Uh, we cut back to Zabuza and Haku's treehouse, which is awesome. A cool treehouse. Yeah. Very cool treehouse. It house. kind of looks like a terraced, like, temple. Like, like maybe one of the rebel temples on Yavin 4. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, suspended from all these trees. And it kind of also looks like a big, like, acorn or pine cone. Uh, so it's, very, it's very, like, elf village in some, some fantasy yes. story. Totally. Um, and, uh... Like in Sylvanesty or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, a deep ball. Oh, yeah. You know, Sylvanesty, mm-hmm. yeah. 
uh, Gato, or Cat, as I called him in all my notes, um, barges in to yell at Zabuza and Haku. Um, and this Basically, is, I, know, I hate his little mustache. I wish he didn't have it. His I hate little, like two side mustaches things. Yeah, and, everything about him. He mm-hmm. kind of looks like a mixture between Doctor Robotnik and Wario. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just he's small and That's almost too on the nose, Elliot. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I hate that his name is Cat, because I love cats more Look, than it's anything. it's not, though, because Gato is cat in Spanish, and this is Japanese, so you're oh. fine. What does Gato mean in Japanese? Neko. Neko. Well, that's not what Gato means in Japanese. <laughs> no, wait, <laughs> no, 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 wait. 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 <laughs> Do what I mean, not what I say. <laughs> what does Gato mean in Japanese? I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. You'd have to see the kanji to know. It means Neko wafers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, without kanji, who knows? Um, so, Cat uh, barges in to yell at Zabuza. Um, and then Haku just, like, flips out. Um, he, like, almost breaks his arm. And then Cat's uh, uh, two toughs come to, like, get Haku. And he just fucking teleports and has their swords to his their throats. Um, but not only did he instantly, like almost break this mob boss's arm and take out his tufts. He only did it because he knew that Zabuza was just about to kill this man with his bed kunai. Yep. Oh, yeah. You have bed kunai. Of, of course. course. I can't fall asleep unless I'm wrapped around my bed kunai. Absolutely. I have my body pillow, and then in my hand I have my bed kunai. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let's flat bash t- back to Kakashi at the very beginning of the episode where he is in bed, Presumably with fully clothed, mm-hmm. completely. Those pockets are full of knives. Totally. Everyone sleeps with their knives. Ninjas yeah. can't sleep without their knives. They can't, no. Yeah. They're, you know, it's, it's a calming weight. It's like having a heavy blanket on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you something to kind of adjust your body around. You it's like your body pillows. These ninja like their kunai. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of a teddy bear. You know? I heard that some ninjas actually get, like, celebrities drawn onto their kunai. Oh. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of troubling, and there's some, you know, some connotations of, like, lonely men who do it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they're, like, really, like, busty girls that they draw mm-hmm. on their kunai that sure. they snuggle at night. James Franco in the episode, the best one of the best episodes of Thirty Rock has a kunai with a lady drawn on it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, that he doesn't he introduce it as like his girlfriend or mm-hmm. his wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he has the fake relationship with Jenna because he wants to distract from his actual relationship with his body pillow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you mean with his with his bed kunai? Oh uh, wait, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, his bed kunai. Yeah, that was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we also learned here that Haku and Zabuza are on the run, um, which, I mean, we kind of already knew that... Um, but it does actually help to make sense why they're then working for Gato, because mm-hmm. they are way too good to work for Gato. Totally. They are actively being pursued by real Anbu, mm-hmm. um, and so they're doing this, they're going to get something, you know, money or, I don't know, the ability to be hidden or something out of this relationship with them. Oh, this was a really nice moment. Uh, the kids are all tired from tree climbing, um, and Naruto asks Sakura for help. Um, and she gives, she like whispers some like tips and tricks to him. And it's in- interesting that like he's clearly trying to beat Sasuke and like have her tell him stuff secretly. And she plays along with it, which I thought was sweet. Mm-hmm. She like, you know, uh, I don't know, it was like a, a nice moment where they're like teammates and not exaggerated caricatures. Um, of children whose entire characters are based off of their one-note relationships with each other. It's like you're saying there is some actual character development in their relationship. It's like we were watching a good show about characters who I was invested in. She did have a moment earlier in the episode where Kakashi actually notes that Naruto is the one who's come the furthest mm. and has learned the most and gained the most experience. And so I think Sakura kind of did a little bit of classic Sakura absorbing information mm-hmm. and actually applying it to things. Totally. While also sort of acknowledging Naruto a little bit. Yeah, no, Sakura, like, listens and, like, knows her limits and, like, contributes meaningfully to the things she does. This has been the Sakura Appreciation Corner. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Which I, I hope will become 
as as cherished a segment as the gay of the ninja. Um, then uh, this episode ends on a really interesting note. Um, we learn from Kakashi that Naruto just has a huge chakra. It's bigger than Sasuke's, and it's even bigger than Kakashi's. Um, but, you know, it's fine, because, like, Sasuke's chakra is probably a little longer, and we know that Kakashi probably has the best groomed chakra. I was just waiting for you to dirty it up in here. It was way too clean. Uh, and then it ends... I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's this <laughs> delicious line that Kakashi looks forward to it, and... He's kind of implying that he's looking forward to Naruto's growth into his huge chakra. Sure. Yeah. And then the episode ends. Um, We're going to take a quick break, but uh, we'll be right back to you to talk about episode 11. Hey, everybody. It's Elliot. I'm just jumping in to do my mid-show business. It's just me this time due to the ongoing mysteries of linear time. And it's endless progression um uh thanks so much as always to tony for doing our art uh, that's tony whetstone and you can find all of his stuff on twitter at mewblood that's m-e-w-b-l-o-o-d um also if you like this show uh, we'd sure love it if you wanted to maybe give us a rating on itunes um write us a review that'd be fucking killer um uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Otaku the Town. Um, or if you want to email us, you can email us at otakuthetown at gmail.com. Um, if you have questions or feedback, or if you want to have somebody publicly shamed on a sh- on the show, um, just, you know, drop us a line. Um, thanks so much to uh, Rachel Horton for submitting her favorite Wikipedia page, I believe in response to a dumb joke Paul made. Um, it is the list of animals with fraudulent diplomas, and it is incredible. Um, I think that's all I've got for you this week. Uh, thank you t- so much for listening. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, enjoy the show. There's lots of good dad action coming up. Um, yeah, I'll let you get to it. And we're back. Uh, So next we're going to talk about episode 11, The Land Where a Hero Once Lived. Uh, So in this episode, Bridge... This episode, a fucking dude gets crucified. That's Uh, what happens this episode. Yeah, you know, there's there's other things, but that's kind of the main deal. Uh, The bridge construction's back. Um, Naruto and Sasuke are still climbing trees. Sakura um, learns about this country. Sakura learns about poverty. Sakura learns about poverty, yeah. Which she should know about hanging out with Naruto. But, um, and given that she is a ghost child. Yeah, but most importantly, we learn about Inari's past, and we learn that Hot Dad was literally fucking crucified. Even um, more than that, they... They fucking destroyed his arms before they crucified him. A fact that's made somehow even more horrific by the fact that all that the animators do is color his arms purple. Yep. But that's enough. It's like mm-hmm. really horrible. It's he, he, goes through, he goes through several stations of the cross in this episode. Yeah. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, we just so, really want to talk about crucifixion. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can, I mean, hell, we can blaze through this shit. Uh, so, um, so this episode starts with Sakura guarding the bridge, um, where she's immediately harassed by a construction worker, but it's okay because it's just Tazuna. <laughs> um, all of the bridge workers kind of want to quit, um, which I thought was actually really understandable, partly because, sure, there are evil ninjas who want to kill them, and partly that, like, all work apparently just stopped mm-hmm. for like a month while Tazuna was gone. Like, quit. Go get a stable income. Yeah, what, what's their payroll system? You know, do they, they get paid? Yeah. Well, the question is, 
where else are they going to go? That's true. You see, a, you see a ninja roaming a street with a sign saying, we'll work, we'll do anything. There don't seem to be a lot of jobs. It's a very depressed economy. Yeah, um, one of the, the shopkeeper appeared to be a Jonin. Like, the, the shopkeeper in the store, like the mm-hmm. impoverished food store that they, they went like in. three cabbages. Yeah, definitely had a Jonin vest. Mm. Um, they maybe, had to place a Jonin there to protect how little food was left. Yeah. The actual shopkeeper was murdered months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um... One thing I wondered is, what other bridges has Tazuna built? Can you, can you, he's sort of more of a metaphorical bridge builder before this. He's just we like would he like to see Tazuna's He's a marriage counselor. Yeah. <laughs> Did he just like wiki how, how to build a bridge? Mm-hmm. And he's just like the loudest and most organized one? Mm-hmm. I'd like to commission one of our three listeners to maybe re-illustrate the wiki how for building a bridge and make sure that the person doing the bridge building is Tazuna. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the first step in building any bridge is you need... A alcoholic, cantankerous old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I build my bridges. <laughs> that's how I burn my bridges. bridges <laughs> uh, um, also, I, I don't like. I don't know. I feel bad that we do a lot of like fun poking, but who the fuck is paying for this bridge? Mm-hmm. This town is so poor. There's no food, but this bridge construction is like a massive project. Like the, all of the raw materials. Where did they come from? Where we did they get the tax con- dollars? Is that why this town is so poor? They got, yes. they got, they got some really high interest bridge loans. Hey, <laughs> bam! It's like uh, a Sim City game where like you're running out of money and you want to keep building things, so you just jack up the tax rate yep. to like ninety nine percent. Then just ignore all your like utility upkeep. Yeah, exactly. If you're playing the fun mode, then like a UFO comes and blows up your downtown. Yeah. Um, and th- that you made because you were sick of playing this game, yeah, and so exactly. you just put every disaster mm-hmm. on at once. Oh yeah, you have to ramp up the disasters the highest setting in yeah. the city. And that does explain all the volcanoes that erupt later in this episode. Yep. Uh, maybe Naruto is just a weird game of The Sims or Sim City, not mm-hmm. The Sims. It's getting very meta. If it was a weird game of The Sims, then everybody would just marry each other. Sure. And then drown in the pool. I was going to say, no one's drowned in a swimming pool yet, so how are we sure? Well, there is some a little bit of almost drowning later in this episode, so, you know. Ninja tycoon. Indeed. Um, Naruto and Kakashi are still climbing trees in full force. Um, that's a lot of this episode for them, is them just competing with each other to climb trees. Um, Sakura has been freed from tree climbing because she mastered it instantly. Yeah, she's too good at tree climbing. The reward for mastering tree climbing is to guard Tazuna on the bridge, and maybe that's why Sasuke and Naruto are taking so long. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> that's the reward, you know? Maybe just take your time. I had very complicated feelings about that, because I was like, okay, it's cool that she mastered this, but like, also... Kakashi is her master too. If she's done with this training, shouldn't he give her some other training? But then they have a job to be doing, and mm-hmm. so somebody needs to do it, and Kakashi's bedridden. But also, the only woman on the team has to do the job, while the other two ninjas get, get to train. Two, they have to do cool training. But it's like a response. I don't know. I, I like... I, I, maybe it's it was, she's actually doing her job. Yeah. Complicated yeah. feelings. Indeed. Multiple feelings all at once. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's a lot. I, I, you know, some like, good multi- and some bad. Multiplicity. Indeed. There's a bunch of John Cusacks. But... Also, how nice! There's a complicated moment in this show. There's not a moment of like, oh, this is obviously and deliberately sexist. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, there's layers to unpack here, and you know, I could think about it, analyze some this. Some good stuff and some bad I get stuff. To think mm-hmm. about Naruto? Oh my god. I know, it was almost like the show was like written by people for like an audience. Yeah. No, good shit. Um, so Sakura, we, we've touched on this a lot, but Sakura um, uh, goes around this town, realizes that it's incredibly poor, that there's like no food and no jobs. Um, uh, a man tries to steal her bag, and she fucking kicks him in the teeth, which is awesome. She thinks he's a groper. Yes. 
it's pretty, uh, speaking of complicated moments. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I, I did, I, yep, I intentionally glossed over that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's, but I mean, I guess it's good, like, I don't know. It's good that, whatever, whatever the context, it's good that she is, like, uh, quickly and immediately able to defend herself yes. very capably. Like, she is still a ninja. Yep. Um, uh, an adorable child asks Sakura for food, and she gives him candy, which, I don't know, I had a moment where I was like, this is so sweet, but, like, honey, that kid needs some nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I she think, just think, weeps. Yeah. I think, really, like, any calories at this point for that kid's probably good. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, bummer. Yeah, that's kind of... It's also has a lot of bummer stuff, but not in a bad way, like in an in no, like interesting, good writing way, for the most part. Yeah, uh, we learn that uh, Tazuna thinks that if they can build the bridge, um, it'll lift the town out of poverty. Um, Which that, is sensible. Yeah, you know, it'll bring in business, it'll allow people to leave or come or something, I don't know. Well, and a lot of the town's poverty is Gato's fault, mm-hmm. because of the stranglehold that he has on the economy, so if they can bring in economy separately, this is sure. exactly why Gato is targeting Tazuna. Yeah, yeah, it'll... it'll uh, Loosen his stranglehold on these islands. Mm-hmm. It's a real uh, statement about monopoly power, you know. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's a real statement about the board game monopoly. They need some. They need some trust busting. You know, the, the, the ninja Sherman antitrust act. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, there's no law enforcement in ninja. Like the, you know, the closest thing that ninja have to law enforcement is people who hunt down and kill you for leaving the village. Yeah, to, and destroy your eyes. Yeah. Because as we established, they're flash drives. Indeed. <laughs> My eyes are full. <laughs> I saw too much this episode. Um, I don't even ask what your eyes are full of. Uh, we flash back to Naruto and Sasuke still competing, and Naruto has this great line where he says, If I let myself get distracted by Sasuke, my concentration will be disturbed. I wrote that one down too. Oh, they're so in love. Also, Naruto has ADHD and can't focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sasuke gets so embarrassed about having to ask Naruto for the tips, but what I loved even more was Naruto being like, He never initiates conversation with me. Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Wait, so Sasuke uh, asks Naruto for the tips that Sakura gave him? And it's so hard for him. It's so hard for him. It's so cute. And then Naruto says no. It's great. Oh. And there's an elephant sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was weird. <laughs> I, thought, because... I thought I was having like a like a hallucination. When I, was I assumed that was just me. It yeah. was the elephant in the room. Nice one, go. I'm not sorry. The big gay elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah, that's me. The elephant was the gayness of the situation. Indeed. Oh, they're so in love. Uh, they go back to the house after training, um, and Naruto and Sasuke eat so much that they start puking at the table and then keep eating. Which, Which is so horrific! Up. We yeah. just established how poor this like village five is. five minutes earlier, like, the, the whole village seems to have, like, three cabbages combined, and then they They, they eat over-eat. until they puke. Yeah. So yeah. they can eat more. That was so fucked Some up. Some serious Hunger Games shit. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that Tazuna has so much food when the village is so broke and poor. Like, I kind of wonder if, like... And instead of, like, giving his work food he's firing them yeah is he working through some guilt with this bridge thing mm-hmm. like Maybe. is he like the one percent of this town i mean i guess a bridge builder does seem like a skilled laborer who should be high, or you know a bridge architect sure. should be highly paid did he go to architectural school you think i'm really curious about his educational background an engineer i mean the bridge is very modern absolutely it looks, i mean it looks very stable yeah again we've asked for it before but we really need it his resume we, we, it? Yeah. Well, what, was his, what was his gpa in architectural school yeah i would like to peruse his cv mm-hmm. oh. sakura has a great moment where i'm, I'm sorry to <laughs> just you know 
sass her a little bit, but if there's a picture that looks deliberately torn up, you probably shouldn't ask about it. Like, <laughs> what was that? She I, opens her mouth and I'm like, oh, don't do it. It is a photo where someone is clearly torn out of it. This photo is on display. And Why she, would you display a photo where someone's been clearly torn up? Sakura. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is not your business. <laughs> Girl, like, think about things. Think about what you're saying before you say it. Uh, so this dude is, of course, Inari's hot dad. Um, uh, we learned hot it's actually stepdad. hot stepdad. Or yeah. an, an, yes. apparently stepdad. Yeah, it's unclear. Sort of. It's interesting. I, I I'd forgotten this that this man is actually Inari's adopted father, which yeah. is really cool. Um, this is a show about um, finding parents where you can, um, and that you yeah, know, yeah, found relationships can be meaningful and important and incredible. And I really like that. I like that message a lot. It's a really beautiful theme. Um, so we is this where we get the flashback? Uh, am I jumping ahead? Uh, no, it is. Because it is. my next note is about how uh, this bully that Inari encounters in the flashback is definitely going to become a serial killer later oh, on. Oh, yeah. already is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Inari is going to be his first kill? He, yes. He, he tries to kill Inari and there's nothing accidental about it. First, it's, you know, the drowning of small animals. Mm-hmm. Anything that he can't have, he decides he wants to poor, kill. Poor Pochi. Mm-hmm. Poor Pochi. Or <laughs> I feel very complicated star. about Pochi. I think there's like, you could do an ethics class just about like Pochi and Inari. And mm-hmm. so um, Inari is getting beat up by bullies. They've stolen his dog, which is fucked up. Yep. And then they throw his dog into the water where his dog starts to drown yep. and there's a lot of like a dog drowning and it's very like they, they really linger on that it and goes that, on for a long in time in the next episode the haku that has the, the violence against dogs too a lot yeah. of dog violence in these episodes yeah totally yeah I, I have, a, I have a, a lot of notes about dogs and me being upset yeah. um, and then uh, uh, they push in Inari because they're like oh you better go get your dog but Inari can't swim and so then Inari's drowning and his dog's drowning uh, except his dog is fucking fine his dog like his learns, dog learns to swim, to swim and yeah. just swims away uh-huh. and then the kids chase after Pochi yeah. and then Inari is just left it's just left drowning yep um, when I, when I, I remember when I was first watching this you know 10 years ago I thought there was going to be like the dog learns to swim and then you know Inari's going to figure it out and learn to swim too but nope, nope that was, nope. turns out it's every mammal for itself in yeah country. no the, this is not a western narrative uh, about picking yourself up by your bootstraps nope. this ain't lassie nope and then uh, Inari wakes up. He comes to, having been saved uh, by this super hot fisherman dad. Um, fish dad. Fish dad. Um, and his that? first thought is, is this God? And like, <laughs> same Inari. Like, if I woke up next to that man at a campfire, I, yeah, my, my question as well. This man is a fisherman who came to this land. Um, his name is Kaiza, and, and I will continue to call him hot dad. But uh, he came to this land in search of his dreams, whatever that means. I think fish, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's caught several fish. Yeah, he's been a good fisherman. Indeed. Um, he said something really interesting. Um, he was talking about how like the dog ran away after Inari couldn't save him, and he says something about like Inari like betraying the dog by not being able to protect him. Do we think Inari betrayed the dog? See, there's like a whole fucking ethics class in here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts all at once. <laughs> is that your responsibility as a pet owner? Like, what, you know, but you're a child, but like, should a child be allowed to care for this animal if you can't, you know, like... This segues into something that we'll get to in the next episode about placing a lot of your self-worth in your ability to protect what you care about. Mm-hmm. 
And that can be a very wonderful thing, and it can be a very, very destructive thing, depending on where you go with it. Totally. Well, that's kind of Kaiser's whole message, is about, like, um, you know, that he is willing to lose his life to protect the people he cares about um, with these two arms, which <laughs> is, like, a very specific thing. I think what he says in Japanese that is... foreshadowing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Some then, dark foreshadowing. Yeah. They, they kind of, I think they, that's one of those things where they just included that so that it could lead to something super fucked up later. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I was like, you're just doing this to mm. get us really upset later. Yep. It's very manipulative. Um, so Kaiser... But, but does he have a right to bear arms? <laughs> Oh, he can he can have can my bear arms. Edit some bear noises into the back of that. <laughs> or excuse me, bear noises. Woof. <laughs> Grr. Hey there, handsome. Can I drink your bath water? This has been Elliot's Wait, bear what? moment. What? Oh, girl. There's so much I don't know about There's the world. So much you don't need to know. Okay. Woof. <laughs> Do you think Kaisa just befriended Inari so that he could get with his mom? I yeah. had some questions about that. I really did. Because, like, what a way to get to a single mom. They don't go into the nature of that relationship, which I think this series is just going to be guilty of in the way that so many shonen series are, where mm-hmm. there are these relationships that happen in the background, and I don't think the creative team wants to get into them because they find them detractive sure. and reductive, and they're like, nope, no, no. I kind of dig that. I like that, you know, this... The traumatized kid, I think, is the most important person in this narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope his mom found love with this beautiful, beautiful man, because who wouldn't? Uh, But, like, I like that it's not important, you know? Like, obviously, he joins their family. He's part of their family. He helps raise this kid. They don't really need to go into it. I mean, these episodes are used time really efficiently Mm -hmm. and, like, actually utilize, you know, 22 minutes to tell good stories. They they can just imply that with a shot or two of him in the household. There's no need to go into it. I think Inari's mom did refer to him as her husband. Mm. Um, I also like that we're calling her Inari's mom because she does not have a name. She does not have a name. Uh, everybody else has a name. All of the men in this house have names. Yep. Uh, she is Inari's mom. Mm-hmm. She might have a name, uh, but I would have to Wikipedia it. I was I was like trying to catch names as I go. Um, behind the scenes, I take down all the names and I tell everyone all the names at the beginning of each episode. Um, and then I don't use them. I call them Hot Dad and Dark Boy. Um, well, ultimately, the relationship between Hot Dad and Dark Boy was the most important one. It's really great how Inari actually comes to call Kaiza Dad. Like, mm-hmm. the Opo-san is what he uses. And it's so cute and precious because that's not something that just happens. Totally. There's a lot of shit about fatherhood in this show. Uh, and... And then Gato crushes his arm and crucifies him. Yeah, uh, he tortures him. <laughs> um, kind of for no reason. Yeah, just because he seems to be... So, we skipped over one thing where he... There's like a dam bursting or something. It was a little unclear to me what exactly... Something bad, natural disaster was going to happen. And he had to you know, do this heroic feat of swimming to tie a rope for again for some reason. It's possible that they explained it and I just wasn't paying attention. Uh, but he successfully, you know, everybody thinks he's going to die. This is like a suicide mission, but he does it and he gets back. And so he's kind of the, the village hero. And so that is really apparently why Gato just fucking murders him. Yeah, he stands up as the pinnacle of bravery in the town. And there's actually a phrase where the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Mm-hmm. It's a very efficient way to terrorize a small village. You find mm-hmm. everyone's symbol of hope and you crush it. Yeah, they, they don't even they don't even go into Kaiza standing up to Gato or, you know, deserving of anything. He just, just apparently just fucking crucifies him. 
Totally. And I, I like that kind of whatever that means, whether it's they simply don't go into what happened mm-hmm. um, because that means it's not important to Inari's story. It doesn't really matter what Kaiza did because the story isn't about Kaiza. It's about Dark Boy. Right. Um, or he just didn't do anything and he's just being cruised. Like, no matter which narrative that is, I like it and I think it's cool storytelling. Yeah. Um, What's what? pretty sad is that everyone after that, though, kind of turns their back on him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, like just sort of tries to forget his existence. I think part of that is trying to move on as much as you can, but also kind of that total and absolute loss of hope. Totally. I mean, it, it's it's it, too dangerous. It's to be so hopeful. sad because it works. Like, yeah, yeah. It, make a cool movie about him two thousand years later with Spartacus. But. Yes. <laughs> Again, the purple arms. I don't know if it's just because like I've become more sensitive with age mm-hmm. or what, but that just grossed me out yeah. in a great way. But I was I like, was damn. Really fucked up. Yeah. Watching the Passion of the Kaiser. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> marks and purple, and that's it. And I'm like, that's enough. That's enough of that. Uh, that was a great episode title that you dropped during this outtake from the episode. Yeah, you know. No, it's great. Um, Mel Gibson is directing an episode of Naruto. This would be his choice. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, Inari is understandably a little fucked up. Like... I get it. I get I get this little boy who just tells ninjas that there's no hope and they should stop trying because they're all going to die mm-hmm. and then runs off to cry really nastily uh, over a photo of his hot dad. Nasty dark boy. Nasty dark boy. I, I love nasty dark boy. <laughs> nasty dark boy needs a, a hero. I did come to love Inari. He comes very, very far. He has very good development. I mean, I can't blame us for hating him because, you know, like we are primed. It's only love Kona Hummer. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. It's not our fault. We are primed to hate just little small little yeah. small boys. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of this series and episode two. Yes, we are prepped for boy hate. Yeah, uh, which is the new subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> um, talk of the town, prepped for boy hate. Indeed. Um, so this episode ends with Naruto just fucking determined to destroy his body to prove that they're heroes. Uh, Naruto is so tired that he can barely move from all of his tree training. Mm-hmm. But w- upon hearing that Inari, you know, has no hope, he's like, fuck it. Like, I can barely move my body, but I'm going to go continue to exercise. I have to say, determined to destroy his body in order to prove that there are heroes aptly sums up every single shonen series that has ever been created since the beginning of time. So yeah. thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I think narratives of sacrifice are really cool. I um, mean, maybe it's because I don't watch enough shonen shows and I'm not sick of it yet. No, no, no. But... I never really get sick of it. And I've seen most to them so there you are totally it's a very inspirational thing watching yeah. people destroy themselves for you know proving well, heroes exist basically, basically all of nike's advertising so. yeah and i'm not i'm not like a scholar so i don't know how like qualified i am to comment on this broadly but i'm going to anyway i think that's something we don't get enough in western stories is people intentionally and deliberately sacrificing themselves i think sacrifice is always something that happens to some object that relates to you whether it's a person or a place or a concept and i think we uh, in, in our narratives, we have a lot of like processing the sacrifices that other people have made that allow you to succeed rather than you actually making the meaningful sacrifices yourself. I agree. I think that's really very insightful on a lot of Western narratives and part of what makes them sometimes really unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of narratives about the protagonist's grief. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really into narrative. They killed my wife, and now I'm mm-hmm. going to be strong because of it. Yeah. I never ever want to see that in a story. Right. Again. I hear that, and I only want to hear about the wife. I don't. I've lost interest in you. I want to hear her story. I want to hear her background. I want to see her deliberately make her own sacrifice with agency, and that's a much more interesting story. To me. That's an yeah. Uncle Ben movie instead of another Spider-Man movie. That sounds great. Yeah, I would watch the shit out of Uncle Ben. God. Ugh. 
fucking Marvel. Can we make it like a period movie where they go back to like the 1960s and it's Ben and June getting together? Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, I think her name is May. Yep, that was definitely a Benny and June moment that mm-hmm. I was having. It's I like that. Fine. It's I like. Long. No, that's good. That's a very good joke. I don't know if you intended to make or it. Or was June the person he was seeing before he met May? I would not put it past comics. I'm gonna write some fan fiction about this. And later. then April was his mistress. Okay, so as always, before we finish the episode, we're going to talk about just something that we liked about what we saw. Uh, make sure we end on a positive note. Uh, <laughs> uh, full disclosure, we almost skipped this section this week because we genuinely like these episodes so much. We, we, we talked about a lot of positive things already, but let's Indeed. do it again. But yeah, let's do it again. Um, Kayla, what's something you really liked about these episodes? What I really loved was a lot of character development in relationships, specifically to call out one example would be Sasuke turning to Naruto for advice from Sakura and mm-hmm. them starting to learn how to depend on each other and advise each other. Totally. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, mine, I, we talked about it, but Kakashi just figuring out everything that happened with Zabuza and Haku at the beginning. It was just, it just saved so much time and it was really satisfying and it was, it never seemed like just him bullshit, you know, just ex machina just figuring stuff out. It was all very deductive and it made sense that he didn't figure that out at the beginning because he was very distracted from this, you know, you know, he was in, life was in peril and so it was like, it made sense that he didn't catch this the first time and it was great when he just figured it out almost immediately and it just saved so much time in this episode. It was great. No, absolutely. I loved seeing uh, Kakashi as competent as I would expect a ninja of his level to be. Um, the thing that I really liked about this episode, and this is definitely going to be a running theme for me, is just something that Sakura was so much better at than the dudes. Um, I, I even remember this from 10, as Paul says, or in truth, 15 years ago oh, when I was first no. watching this show. Yes. Uh, I remember always wanting to root for Sakura. Um, as a gay dude, I've always, I, I always like the girls. I always like the queers. I always like the people of color. I always root, want to root for uh, the characters who never get as much screen time. Um, and so it's cool, especially as an adult, to be able to come back at this and like really look at some of this shit to see all of Sakura's strengths um, and how much that foreshadows the things to come. And, and her, in the, the first 10 episodes, you know, I've been pretty disappointed with how she's been treated. I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't pick up on that when I was 13 watching this so much, but... Uh, yeah, so it was kind of nice to have a little change from that. No, absolutely. It's it's cool. As, as much as we love to pick out all of the truly terrible moments, um, it's cool to see so much good stuff in there and so much hope. It's cool to remember why we really like this show. Yeah. Like, these episodes were great. We like these episodes so much that we were going to talk about five episodes today, and we only got through two. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty fucking positive. It's very rewarding, It doesn't, doesn't bode well for our efficiency in this podcast, though. You know, we are not in a race. Yeah. No, uh, not a race. <laughs> uh, so, thank you guys so much for listening both of you um, if you like this podcast please uh, go to iTunes go to Stitcher go to whatever um, give us a like give us a rate a review a subscribe um, you can follow us on Twitter at Otaku the Town um, feel free to tweet at us um, if you want to send us an email if you have any questions if you have any feedback um, if you have any fan fiction based off of the ways that we've altered the canon of Naruto for example Ninja Loggers Ninja Loggers please write us a travel about Ninja yeah. Loggers Sakura's Ghosts mm-hmm. um, uh, what Kakashi actually reads, if you think it's porn, if you think it's romance, if you think it's porn mance, sure. if you think it's Romorn, uh, which sounds like the name of a unicorn. Um, Everybody loves Romorn. Yeah, um, let us know. Uh, we'd, <laughs> we would love to ever have emails to read on this podcast. Um, for next week, um, we're going to commit to talking about at least three episodes, uh, but we reserve the right to not. So um, if you are watching along with us, like, 
bully for you. Like, that's great. Um, but uh, we'll probably talk about, we'll definitely talk about at least episodes 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, very likely 12, 13, and 14. Thank you so much again for listening. I'm Elliot. I'm Kayla. And I'm Paul. And as always, don't crucify anyone's beautiful stepdad. I just wanted to rap. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Elliot, and I'm here to say uh, I like Naruto in a major way. (laughs) All these ninjas are totally gay. (laughs) This sweet young love is here to stay. This has been Elliot, rapping from the heart. (laughs) That's just just Elliot. I'm always (laughs) rapping from the heart. The beat's inside of me. I usually rap from the pancreas. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you rap from, Kayla? Oh... I don't want to say. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>